This is the Adopted Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I am Alex Fitton and we are ringing in episode 13, you guys. I am continually thankful for the support and encouragement, and I want to remind you to leave me a review on iTunes if you haven't already. I also want to give you guys a heads up that next week is our second to last episode of the season, and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be my broadcast from the Project Zero Gala, where I was able to get a bunch of quick interviews with lots of different people involved with adoption. I'm so excited to share it with you guys. The following week, I'm finally going to launch an episode I've been getting requests for since episode one, My Story. Yay! Then we will take a little break through the holidays and come back at you with more episodes in 2018. This week, we're going to hear from Kathleen and Kennedy Barnes. They are mother and daughter via adoption through foster care, and their story is so awesome. I'm thrilled that we get to hear firsthand what this process feels like on the child side, when the child can remember everything. All of the trauma, being placed into care, going through the system, and finally being adopted. I love that Kennedy was willing to be so open and honest about her perspective, and I can't wait to share this episode with you guys. So let's get to it. My interview with Kathleen and Kennedy Barnes. All right. Hello, everyone. Today, I'm sitting here in the same room, and this is super exciting, with Kathleen and Kennedy Barnes. Uh, Was it intended for you to both have K names? Like, Was it like a cute mom-daughter thing? Oh, not at all, actually. <laughs> I've never even thought about that. I thought about that earlier today, and I was like, I need to ask him that. But yeah, so Kathleen and Kennedy Barnes, and it's exciting and a little bit different than anything we've done on the podcast before, because Kathleen is the mom in this situation, and Kennedy has not always been Kathleen's daughter. So Kennedy has been adopted, and she is going to share with us a little bit today about um, just her, her version of the story. And introduce us to your family. Yeah, definitely. So um, I'm married to Jacob Barnes, and we both live in we live in Northwest Arkansas. Um, we met at John Brown. We have um, two boys, um, Grisham, that is five, coming up on six years old, and then we have little Harrison, that's two, um, and we actually had him the same year that we adopted Kennedy. So that was fun to. Uh, in one year, have two kids, which I think you probably did too, right, yeah, I know Alex? A little bit about that. It's yeah, still <laughs> yeah. I remember. So Grisham's uh, the birth announcement was only child and middle child, right? That was yes. Which okay, got to say that again because some people don't process that well. So he went from an only child to a middle child, <laughs> and a lot of people like seriously, they're like, I don't get it. I don't understand what you mean by that. <laughs> So. See, I feel like I got it immediately. I was like, all right, that's what that makes sense to me. Like, yeah. It's so funny. Um, okay, so, and then you are a teacher, right? Yes, so I do teach in soul. Springdale. Um, I've taught special ed, I've taught second grade, and now I teach kindergarten. So, very exhausted every day. But. So, you're only responsible for teaching the next generation how to read. Well, no pressure there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you are also a, you were on the board for the call, and now your husband's on the board, and you are a trainer for the call. Yes. So, we, um, well, we go to the Grove Church, which is why we know Alex over here. And um, when we were in small group quite a few years ago, um, we heard about the call. 
um, that it was coming to Northwest Arkansas. Had no idea what that was. Um, and then our pastor, who was familiar with it um, from, I think, one of the counties down by Little Rock. Yeah. Um, like he, yeah. He uh, preached a sermon about, you know, just our obligation as believers to um, take care of the widows and orphans, um, specifically how that looks in modern day times. Um, and so whenever we first began, we got trained, intention to be foster parents, um, things happen. So we've kind of served in different capacities. So we have been foster parents. Um, I did help with like volunteer type stuff, um, was on the board. Then we traded Jacob's on the board actually now. Um, and then also I, a, I love that I can say I was trained to be a trainer. You went to trainer training. Yeah, I'm a personal <laughs> trainer now. <laughs> you could be. I mean, this this girl's kind of a hero over here. How, like, so how many pounds down are you, actually? Oh, let's ask that question later, actually. <laughs> <laughs> a while back, I was almost to 50 pounds lost. She's but... kind of a superhero. Don't let her fool you. Oh. It's been cool to watch. So, okay, so you kind of hinted about this. That's how you got into this adoption thing. So you started out as just a foster parent, right? Yes. And so how did you get from there to now? Because I know that you actually did the training and then took a break, right? Yes. To have a baby. (laughs) Yeah. At that time, we decided we should just have a kid. Just one. Just one at that time. (laughs) That's cute. I know other people, you know, make different decisions. (laughs) I'm pointing at Alex. Um, I don't know how much of a decision it was. (laughs) Well, one thing that was really important to us when we went through the training um, and just being exposed to different families, because we did actually wait long enough to where we ended up having to be trained again. Um, And so that's 30 hours of, you know, sitting and talking and listening a lot. And something that I was hearing a lot of people saying was, and I know it was just getting their hearts ready, but a lot of people tend to say, well, I really want to adopt, mm-hmm. you know? And so it was really on our heart. Like we were on a mission to just foster. Mm-hmm. Like we really didn't have any intentions. And that was just because we felt like that's where a big gap was. Right. And, um, that, you know, that was also a calling that you were just going to be that safe place while, the parents were working, you know, with the state to gain their children back and get right. their lives on track. Um, and so when we trained, that was, you know, that was something that was really big on our hearts. And I even specifically being in the schools thought, oh, my gosh, how cool would that be to maybe get a kid from my school and then they could come to school with me every day. And so that was kind of my intention, too. <laughs> So, um, do you want me to share, like, sorry. Yeah. So, I'll go ahead and share just a little bit about, um, our home wasn't even actually opened yet. Um, we were really close. We'd almost gotten opened. And, um, my principal knew that we were in that process. And I'll never forget, because it was the first day of benchmarks. For those of y'all that don't remember that, that was like the major serious testing that would happen third through fifth grade. Right. And we were in there, you know, turning in our test manuals and fixing any little, like, where the kids had scribbled over the bubbles. (laughs) And I remember hearing her say, oh, and she got off the phone and she said, oh, I've got another one for you. I've got one for you, Kathleen. Um, And she told me that Jamie had come into care. And 
at first I couldn't remember who that was. She wasn't in my class. Um, but I think it was the year prior. Um, she had been in second grade across the hall from me. And so you were like the, the, like when the teacher needs to go to the bathroom teacher. Yes. <laughs> I totally knew who she was. Um, cause you know, kids, you know, we all know each other's kids. And so, um, so it really worked out. Um, I had contacted DHS and, or whatever it's called. And, um, had been told by Ann Mythaller that there was something called fictive kin <clears throat> that if, the parents or family, well, not the parents, if family wasn't <laughs> available to take care of the child and take them into their home while parents were getting their stuff together, um, that a teacher could act as f- fictive kin. And so I immediately jumped into action of contacting who I needed to, kind of harassing, I'm not going to lie. We've all been there. I mean, yeah. no shame. You just never know. Like, you just kind of have to email everyone and you call them. Mm-hmm. And Squeaky then, wheel, man. Oh, yeah. And I would email, like, people up ahead of, like, above them. And I probably <laughs> was not doing what I should have. But I really wanted it to be known that I would love to take this kid. So. So you were fought for, Miss mm-hmm. It exciting. actually took a month. She wow. um, was in a uh, – she was in the children's – Shelter. shelter for a month, which, you know, sounds horrible and big and bad, but from what she told me, I mean, you tell me for the record, was it horrible and big and bad? No, it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty nice. I mean, I've seen it. It's, yeah. It's she nice. had fun. She had a roommate. They went on like trips every weekend. Yeah. That's like, nice. that's just crazy. <clears throat> so she was there and um, worked with her caseworker and finally had her come visit and come over for pizza and then next thing we know she's getting to move in which was hilarious because i you know you hear the stories of well when they come into care they're probably only going to have like a bag of stuff if that (laughs) oh she came in with like three things of luggage (laughs) it was hilarious (laughs) but it was because i guess the shelter had given her so much it cracked me up though because i'm like this chick's moving in. Like, it was like really... Right? Yes, it was. It was totally like She's a diva. Like, um, is there anyone who can take my Do box? you remember that at all? <laughs> She's cracking up. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to die from laughter. <laughs> that's a good way to die. Yeah, that's, that's a good way. Okay, so she moved in. And I remember... So it was it was less than a year, right, before before adoption. But it was a little back and forth, right? And and she can get into a little of that in her story. But for you guys, how was that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the whole process, like I said, we really wanted to just be there for the foster setting. And, you know, I know as a trainer, especially now, you know, reunification, always the goal, mm-hmm. you know. And so I remember even my caseworker would call and kind of hint at like, well, if this were to come up. And I was like, you know, trying, I thought she was trying to trick me. I was like, no reunification. We want, (laughs) we want to support the family. And I mean, obviously I did. I'm not saying that I was lying, but I really did think she was trying to trick me. Um, and, um, but slowly over time, you know, at first it seemed like, you know, family was coming to visits and they were participating, but then that started to dwindle. Um, and it just wasn't looking good. And so, Um, you know, really that part of it, 
I don't really feel like that was the difficult part. The difficult part was when we moved into permanency and knowing that she was going to be adopted. And that, to me, was really difficult for us because she kind of went through a little bit of an identity crisis of like, well, who am I? And I'm not going to be this person anymore. Thankfully, we had counselors that were amazing that Mm -hmm. communicated with me. They were through the foster home outreach um, with OGC. Oh, wow. Okay. And so that was great. Because, like, I was struggling, too. Like, because, I mean, and now looking back, it makes sense. But at the time, it was very much like she was having a loyalty issue mm-hmm. where she was very like, I'm going to find my family. and But she wasn't, she wasn't necessarily saying she didn't want to be in our family. But she was just saying, like, that was going to be her mission. Like, she would always be that fam part of that family so that was really difficult that was hard to be like okay i'm adopting this child that the state is like tearing her away from her family and she doesn't want to be with us you know it was it was a struggle um she would write i totally read your journal and she totally wrote stories about once upon a time there was this girl that was pulled from her family that journal is private, Mom. Well, now it's public because we're on a podcast. Right. Sorry. That's seriously, that's what parents do. You just get yeah. used to it. You, you get one on me now. But it really, it was very heartbreaking. It was very hard for me. Um, just because I knew the other end of it and I knew a lot of the situation of why she was not allowed to go back to them. Um, and I had some great advice one time from a friend that actually has nothing to do with foster care. She is divorced, though. And I just was like, I'm really struggling because I feel like she doesn't know what a bad person her father is. Right. And I need to tell her. No, I've totally been there. Yeah. I get it. And she told me straight up, she said, she will figure it out on her own. You don't tell her anything because then you're the bad guy. Right. And I, that was like a weight was lifted. I was like, oh, because I just felt so like burdened by like, I felt like I was keeping and lying to her and keeping mm-hmm. things. Um, but the friend pointed out, she said, you know, when we went through the divorce, I tried very hard to never badmouth his father and things like that. And now that he's older, he's like, yeah, my dad's kind of a loser (laughs) but she never had to say that and so I thought that was a really good piece of advice and I always try to remind people just as adopted parents you know just tread lightly when you're referring to those families um you know because even though you may see you know I mean, we always have a skewed, we always have this view of like what a parent should be and what a parent should do which obviously we're probably correct but it still is not the view that your child sees you know when they were with them they were still mom or still dad and so that was really helpful yeah well and i think that that's a good segue into uh into the other side of this story so Mm -hmm. let me turn the microphone now i am okay with that all right so miss kennedy you can say hello now hi pointed at you (laughs) So, okay, so we've heard from your mom, their, their, their side of this story. So what did that look like from you, from your side from the beginning here? I don't know. I mean, like, it was kind of scary moving into a new home. And, like, it, this kind of sounds weird, but it was almost like a new beginning. Like, mm. I can start over here. And 
I don't know how to explain it. Like, I was happy but sad at the same time. It's like that bittersweet feeling you get sometimes. So so talk about that. What were, what, why were you happy and why were you sad? Well, obviously I was happy because, well, I get a lot of food there. And <laughs> was that was that a change of pace from what was before? Yeah, I mean, all I pretty much had was ramen at my old house. But like I came here and there's like pizza and you had all these different things and I was like, "Whoa, what's happening here? They have money. <laughs> we can afford things." But um but then it was like sad because I wasn't like with my actual family and I only got to see him every once in a while. Mm. But then it was like cool getting checked out because I was like, yeah, I'm getting checked out. I'm seeing my parents. And it was like weird. From school. And stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when, so you would go to visits and how long was it that you guys were seeking uh, reunification before, before you realized that that wasn't going to happen? Oh, um, <laughs> I don't really know. I think. I remember the time when she told me, she was all like, well, my counselor, um, she was like, well, we went to the judge thing, or however she said it, the court meeting, and it turns out your mom's not going to be able to, and I just kind of stared at her. You're talking about? No, I'm talking about my counselor. She's the one who told me, and I was like, well, then what about dad? And she's like, well, and I was like, oh, great, it's over, we're done. Mm-hmm. It was like just nothing came to my mind, and like mm-hmm. I don't know, it was kind of you know sad, but I was kind of happy that I was getting a new family, you know, because I would get to start over, and I knew like they wouldn't do things to me that were like really really bad or something. Yeah. And like, of course, you know, it's sad because the I mean they're your family, I mean blood pretty much, and. For honestly, I felt resentment towards them, like it was their fault. Toward the Barneses. Yeah, um, and I know now it's not. I mean, it's none of their fault. But like for a little bit there, I just like I just didn't like them because I thought it was all their fault yeah. since I was in their house. Well, but so let's talk about that a little bit. So because I think that that's what a lot of kids, and you know, I think you know, I have a teenager too um, that we adopted, and this is something that parents like me and your mom want to get inside your heads. We want to know things like that because, you know, we feel, we definitely feel the resentment, you know, we feel the backlash, but we don't understand why. So what, what were you feeling in that moment or were you, do you, did you even process it? Um, it was kind of both. Like at some points I would process stuff like, I don't know. (laughs) It's kind of hard to explain what was going through my head. Um, like I think I got home that day and, like, I wasn't very talkative, which by then I was kind of talkative to them, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, I kind of stayed cooped up in my room, cooped up, cooped up in my room and, like, just kind of sat there for a while and was, like, trying to process all the possibilities. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, this might happen and I might get to go back. But, like, I swear I had like three weeks of where I just dreamed of the possibilities. Yeah. And finally I realized, you know, it's not going to happen. I mean, it's done and I'm going to stay here. And for a little, I, I honestly did resent them. I thought it was all their fault because like they wouldn't, okay, obviously they wouldn't tell me all about what happened in the courtroom and stuff. Because, like, well, that's just weird. You don't tell your foster kid that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, 
And I felt like they were just doing that so I, like, like they were mad at me or something. Mm. And so then I was like, well, then fine. I'll be mad at you back. That made no sense, but... <laughs> no, but it made sense at the time. Yeah. You know, you were frustrated. And so, I mean, and I, th- I feel like um, they're pretty candid with you, and that's something that... Um, that's something that a lot of foster and adoptive parents can't be with their kids. So I think it's great. And that's why we're able to have this conversation right now, because you two can have this honesty between, between each other and, um, and share some of those whys, which is why I'm so excited to talk to you because I feel like you, you are more open to talking about your emotional state through all of this. So when, when it, when you realized, and um, maybe there were separate events, when you realized that you were going to be staying with the Barneses and that you were going to be part of their family now, was there a gap in between realizing that and accepting it or getting excited about it, or was it immediate? Uh, there was definitely a gap. <laughs> um, I'm not going to lie. Um, but, like, you had the point where I told you, where she told me, not I told you, but, and then there's just that wide gap where I was just like, no, I don't want to. And then slowly, it just, like, all came to me. I was just like, well, I can't stop it now. This is too late, and I wouldn't be able to stop it if it, even if I tried. And, you know, they're pretty good people, so I guess I might stay with them. Just maybe. <laughs> they're pretty cool. I don't know. Well, and, you know, I, I don't, for those of you listening, you might not know that in the foster care system in Arkansas, if children are over the age of 10, they do get a say. And so you got, you know, when you sat in court, you had to consent as well. I don't know if you remember back then. I probably don't. (laughs) (laughs) But we had to do that. You know, we had Rock and Clark. And with Clark, he had to, had his own little piece where the judge or the uh, attorney asked him, you know, if if this was his choice as well. But with Rock, they didn't do that because he was too young. So, (laughs) so it's pretty cool that you got to make that choice too, that you, you did get some control over your future and your life. So did you... Did you feel that, or was there a time when you just felt like you were watching your life happen and everything was spinning out of control? I felt like definitely, like, people were just, like, I felt there was, like, a little control panel in Mm. my head, and people were just, like, poking at it and saying, "Mm, nope, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, and you're going to think this, and you're going to think that. And, uh, honestly, I don't know. (laughs) Um, Like, when... No, the excitement of getting adopted was definitely there. I just think I was so much in grief that I didn't process it. That like didn't she sound so grown up? Oh yes, I'm so grown up. She was in grief. You can always tell the people that have been in counseling. (laughs) (laughs) You were in a cycle, and (laughs) (laughs) and that is one of the things that's very difficult about this whole process is you are like mourning a loss. You know, and that was something that, you know, is easy to hear and the head knowledge of that happening. It's just very different um, when you're living it and when you're watching someone go through that and knowing that they're like they're mourning a loss, but not taking it personally is very difficult. So, well, and I think that that's I mean, that's another that's a whole nother topic because. In episode three, when Sarah Avery talked, because she she gave her child up for adoption, and she said the same thing, that she felt like it was a funeral, but no one had died. Mm. And I think that that's the piece of adoption that people like to ignore. They they like to ignore the broken side of it. And they, I mean, I'm sure that, Kennedy, you probably get people all the time say things about, like, oh, it's so great that you were adopted, aren't you? You know, stuff like that. And they don't know that 
it's, you know, it is great, but there's this whole other side that's not great at all. And do how do you respond to those people, or do you even get that a lot? Um, I do get it sometimes at school, and, like, I tell people I'm adopted. They're like, whoa, that's so cool. Isn't that so cool? I was like, um, yeah, after I was adopted, not the whole counseling part. And they're like, whoa, you went through counseling? It's like, yeah, turns out to go into foster, you have to go through some stuff. And they're like, I didn't know that. I was like, yep, <laughs> you have to go through some stuff. But, yeah, I I talk to those people, obviously. And, you know, some of them are my closest friends. But, like, sometimes it annoys me because they think that it's all just happy-go-lucky. But really, you do go through some hard stuff to get there mm. and stuff. So do you think that you went through a time where you were you kind of tested the barns, like, to see how much of your stuff they could take, how much of your baggage or um, or just struggles? I don't know. Did I, Mom? She's still kind of unloading on me, honestly. (laughs) She shared something kind of eye-opening last week. I don't know if I feel comfortable sharing it on a podcast, but I was like, well, okay, I'm Wait, what was this? You can tell. No, I don't feel like we should tell about that. (laughs) Okay, now I remember. (laughs) That's probably not going to be shared. We're probably not going to. But it's just like, okay, I'm learning some more. And I will say, you know, um, whenever she was in care, you know, her... Her version of what life was like was very different, you know. She yes, and, yep. she would make coffee for her grandma while she read her Bible every morning. <laughs> yeah, I don't do that anymore. Um, and just things like that were very. Uh, her daddy would pick her up every weekend, and they'd have special trips. And I mean, and not saying any of that is a lie, but just the way it was carried about and. And just over time, it was, like, slowly showing me, like, well, this is really what it looked like. And Mm. so, but it's helpful. I'm so glad she feels like she can tell us those things. Um, You know, and even the the things she shared last week that I won't mention um, (laughs) came about because I shared something personal about my life. You know, I shared something that I had done in the past as a teenager that was... I don't think was that wild and crazy, but my child did. And that, but that made her feel comfortable enough to share something that she wasn't, you know, normally comfortable telling us. Yeah. So, well, and Kennedy, that's something, I mean, I don't know if you knew this, but that's actually really common with older kids. I mean, Clark did it to us, you know, he, he had the perfect family when he first moved here. And then as time went on, I started getting some of those revelations of like, where uh, as parents we just try to hold it together we're like oh that's so interesting even though we're like you know we might yeah. we might be shocked the shock the factor, yeah. <laughs> but so was this something that you were even aware of like that that process from I'm going to tell them that everything's great to being able to be honest were you aware of that change or um or did it just happen I think it just happened I mean I don't remember a time when I was like no I'm going to keep it. well I do remember a time but I don't remember like the change where I'm going to only tell him this and this and this, and then slowly be able to just tell him whatever I feel like telling them, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So, okay, this is a little bit of a change of, uh, a change of subject, but so who do you think, and, um, and whether or not this had anything to do with your past, who do you think you attached to more or first, your mom or your dad? Or anybody in the family, because <laughs> I kind of think it might be a different answer, even not mom or dad. Uh, yeah. But and, and the reason I'm asking this is I want to know why. I mean, and I'll I'll give you a for instance. So Clark, 
attached to Brian way first because it was his mom who hurt him more. So I'm kind of the bad guy, even though I haven't actually done anything. Hmm. So that's a good, that's kind of an example of what I'm saying. So who did you attach to and why? Um, I don't know. I feel like the first person I really got used to was, uh, Papa because, well. And that's her grandpa. (laughs) Yeah. My, my (laughs) husband's dad. You couldn't remember (laughs) Paternal grandfather. There you go. <laughs> um, but, like, because my dad's uncle, dad, so my grandfather, he passed away, like, when I was younger. And so, like, he used to buy me stuff, like these little mm. Kool-Aid packets, and I just loved it. And we would have these little Debbie snacks. And then I go there, and he works for Little Debbie, and there's these Little Debbies, oh, and I'm just so like, cool. I'm instantly in love. <laughs> <laughs> Is that who you thought, Kathleen? I kind of thought that, or um, his wife. My, um, We call her Gimme, is what she's called. Papa and Gimme, that's cute. Yeah, and just even within the first weekend or two, when she was still very withdrawn, and you know, we'd kind of go through phases of like, really excited and really hyper or really silent not talking at all um but i remember we went away for the weekend to a cabin and i remember um listening to her and my mother-in-law um upstairs in the bedroom talking and giggling and it was like oh wow they're bonding like it was great and so i just i remember thinking that was really special um so so that's cool so it was like it was a good memory from your past that caused you to yeah, I just, cash. like, I never really had that really good grandma because, well, she was usually cooped up in a home and I never really saw her. And then the one I was with, I didn't like her very much. I mean, no offense to her. She was very much strict, mm. born before me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Which, just to clarify, um, I, don't, I don't remember exactly how old she was, but Kennedy was in the custody of her grandmother for a good five or six years, gotcha. maybe even more, before she um, was placed in care and moved to our home. Hence so her dad picking her up on the weekends. Yes. Yeah. So gotcha. she still had a relationship with a lot of her family, but she was, yeah, in custody of, or whatever that's called, of with her grandmother. So Gotcha. Okay, so um, another a little bit of a change of subject. So, Kennedy, what are some of the things that you feel like were really big issues at first for you that you were working through with, with trauma and um, with that broken relationship? And then, so what, what are, what's something that you think you've overcome and what's something you think you're still working on? Um, being able to tell them stuff, like, sometimes... And something I've really worked through was, at first, my Uncle Ethan, no offense to him, but he kind of looked like Scotty, which is, like, one of my people that it's, like, I don't like. <laughs> okay. Um, and, like, you know, seeing him sometimes, I'd get, like, really freaked out and stuff. And, like, slowly I got more comfortable. And every once in a while I'd, like, withdraw. I'd be like, wait, what if I'm getting too comfortable? Mm. And But, like, slowly I was able to tell that, like, you know, he wouldn't do that to me. You know, that's just... That one that'd be weird, and two, he's a good guy, so he wouldn't do that. But like, yeah, I'm definitely still working on being able to just tell him stuff. Gotcha. And do you think that that has anything to do with your trauma, or do you think it's just that it's a different family? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. Like, it's a new, still. So even though I've been with them for a while now, it's still a new family, you know. Mm-hmm. And 
with my trauma, I never really told anyone anything, really. And so being able to just, like, tell them stuff is still a little weird to me, so. That, that, that that's safe there? With yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, really knowing cool. that they're just not going to go and blab it to the world. Well, and that's really cool to hear. I hope you don't mind me saying, um... Scotty was her mom's boyfriend, and um, he uh, had some inappropriate relationships with her and stuff. And so that's really neat to hear that. And I know personally that she has a really great bond with her Uncle Ethan. And so that's really neat to see that you could trust again and feel comfortable. So Was that a process for you, Kennedy? Or, um, I mean, I know you just talked about that a little bit, but obviously that's... um, I mean, that's a really, really hard thing to recover from. And that's, like, all the respect to you because Mm -hmm. that's a really big deal. And so, and it especially seems that you've been able to do that in a lot healthier way than a lot of other kids your age, which is amazing. So what do you think you owe that to? Um, it was definitely a process, I will say that. And just my counselors, they, like, took it slow with me because, well, I just didn't open up to them, like, right away. Mm -hmm. And it took time for me to, like, really be able to trust them, you know. And so as soon as, like, we went through that, we went through these different little packets. And we colored. And coloring is, like, my favorite thing to do, except for reading, because that's my other favorite thing to do. I mean, she's basically just so well-rounded. <laughs> Kathleen. <laughs> she likes drawing and reading. And, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, one of my few counselors um miss margaret ann last year and um miss christine them two i really opened up to about it Mm -hmm. and them i felt like i was able to tell i told them more than i did my other counselors and i just felt more comfortable with telling them like they would understand Mm -hmm. yeah so maybe a good encouragement that you would have for other kids would be if you don't feel like you can talk to, you know, everyone, maybe just find someone that you do feel like you can talk to. Yeah, or just, like, write it down somewhere. That always, like, gets it off your chest. Although, be careful and hide it, because your mom might read it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sometimes it's left out in the middle of your room. Just saying. Yes, but that doesn't mean you go in my room Mm. and you go snooping. So, I am really proud of Kennedy, I have to say. Um, She, I mentioned before that she had the counselor... Um, as foster home outreach program well when we got adopted they made us change counselors Mm. and i wasn't too keen on that because it had taken a long time for her to develop to develop that rapport um and then she had a counselor at our school and then that counselor moved um so she had a different one so she has gone through a good like four counselors so it's it's really neat to see that You know, there have been some people that have put in the hard effort to work with her. So, and I would definitely, I think I could have totally pegged which ones she's bonded with the most. So. That's really cool. Yeah. Really cool. So, and now you get to be, were you a big sister before? Um, yeah. (laughs) To a lot of kids. (laughs) (laughs) So now it almost might be better. It was just the two. (laughs) Now it's just two. I don't have to take care as much as much anymore is she a is she a good and responsible big sister yeah she is she does a really good job um i mean there's definitely that honeymoon phase where she was still you know trying to i guess impress us (laughs) and she was very helpful with grisham and now it's kind of getting where she's like no i don't want to play with you 
<laughs> Mind you, she's 12, so we're coming up on that lovely stage of life. Mm, yes. So, but she is. She's a good sis. I mean, sometimes when they're not behaving, I make them go talk to her, and she shoots them straight. So it's really <laughs> nice because I'm like, please talk some sins into them. They're not listening to me. So That's awesome. Is it fun for you to have, I mean, because the other two are boys, so now you have a daughter, but it was, you know, you didn't get to, like, dress her in the dresses and the bows when she was little. So what's that, what's that like for you, having a little bit of a different experience with, you know, the daughter situation? It is really different, you know. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm sad that I didn't have to worry about 50,000 items being available <laughs> for me to shop. Um, it's kind of nice, you know, and originally she did kind of like a little bit of bling and glitter and stuff, but now it's nope, t-shirt and jeans. So (laughs) in some ways I'm kind of thankful for that. Um, and she is, you know, she's very transparent and she's very easy to talk to. Um, so we definitely have a great, I think we have a great relationship. I don't know. She may weigh in differently. Um, but I think it's, I'm thankful for it. I think it's kind of cool. So that's okay. So maybe that's like one of your favorite things about her. What's, what do you think your favorite thing about your mom is? I don't know. I mean, sometimes she's kind of pushy, but that's kind of nice sometimes. Like, no, you need to get this done now. Cause like, otherwise I just like never do it. And I don't know. Sometimes when I'm, like, I'm doing work, uh, sometimes I think about her going, like, no, you got to do it now. You got to do it now. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, okay. And they're like, what are you talking to? And I'm like, nothing. Voice inside of my head. And they're just like, okay, you're weird. Don't talk to her again. (laughs) Delayed gratification. That's what that's called. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I tell Clark that, too. Um, All right. So I have some questions for you guys. You cool with that? Okay, so this is for both of you. Um, you can draw straws or however you, you know, rock, paper, scissors for who wants to go first. <laughs> Sounds good. So what do you wish someone had told you at the beginning of this and just, like, laid it to you straight at the, be- at the like, very beginning of this whole process? So I'm going first. Okay. No, I, yeah. <laughs> okay. I just looked at you because I wondered if you were just dying <laughs> to give an answer. I do have an answer, though, so you go first. All right. Um, for me, I feel like somebody should have said, that, like, you know, it's going to be hard, but it's going to end up good. Because mm. I always thought if, if it's going to be hard, it's just going to continue being hard. It's just not going to get good. So, like, yeah. tell me that's gonna get, that it's going to get better in the end. Do you think mm-hmm. you would have believed them? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's a good one. That's a really good one. Because I, I think that that's probably more common than, than you might think for mm-hmm. kids like you. So, okay, what about you, Kathleen? I would definitely say um, my advice going into it is... Don't anticipate anything. Mm. Just be on the journey and make the best of it. You know, have a good attitude about it um, because it is a roller coaster and there are so many different changes um, and a lot of it's out of your control. And so, um, you know, do the best you can. I know even we talk a lot about... Oh, the years of her being a teenager someday, and I'm kind of terrified, but I'm like, okay, we're just going to do what we can now as insurance towards those years. So Someday, like in a few months. Ugh, yes. I mean, <laughs> yay! <laughs> T-shirt and jeans, remember? You like those. <laughs> oh, then you get into dating and all that fun stuff. Oh, Ooh. yes, I've been banned from that. 16 group dating, 18 single dating. Hey, that's a good rule. 
Good job, really Jacob and Kathleen. <laughs> okay, so what is something that you wish you had done differently along this process? Oh. Mm. <laughs> deep, deep question here. I know. Um, I guess for me it would be like being more open more often because mm. <laughs> like at first I was very just like stay with the adults wear sunglasses cover yourself up we don't need to be showing the world your face and I don't know now I'm just kind of jumping all over the place screaming <laughs> so, so what what could they have done or could they have done anything differently that would have made you open up quicker or would have made you would have made them seem more trustworthy quicker no, they did everything right. I think it was just the way everything had just happened then mm. and the way it was set up and the way the events happened that just, like, I don't know, they just made me not trust them as well at first. I think that but that's a really good uh, piece of information, though, because I and you might not... So for adoptive families, a lot of times we feel like we're doing something wrong. And when we have these kids... And even though it doesn't make logical sense, you know, we can have people tell us... This is just how it is. But we still feel like we need to do something different or we need to do more in order to make change. And that's really uh, kind of grace, gr- gracing for you to say, no, it's not you. It's just the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. it definitely was, I think. That's good. So what about you, Kathleen? Um, I would say the thing I would do differently, um, for me, one of my big regrets is um, not being more intentional about like one-on-one time together and things like that. I mean, we've had different phases where we're better at it. Um, You know, like I said before, um, the same year that we adopted her was April 8th. And then Harrison was born October 2nd. And that was also when she went to... Were you in fifth grade at that point? I am totally forgetting everything. I think I was in... She was was still at the same... She was still at the same school as me. Um, but at that point, you know, I was on maternity leave mm-hmm. and wasn't riding, you know, we'd had this, like, we ride to school together every day and we ride home together. And then when she went to middle school, same thing, you know, and so some of those things that you don't realize are um, those intentional times to be together. And especially after having three kids, we realized you do have to take the time <laughs> um, to really give that attention and when she has two little brothers you know that very much demand our attention um you know we have to be uh what's the word intentional about that time and so that's that's the main thing i wish i had done is maybe not try to do everything together all the time Mm. you know um and that's something i share with uh adoptive parents too and even foster parents like don't feel guilty about having a night with your kids, like your biological kids, and then have a night with your foster kids. Like, yeah. it doesn't have to always be together because you see different sides of your children, um, and they see different sides of you. Because I feel like <laughs> me and Daddy, Daddy especially, is very goofy whenever the boys are not around. He's pretty crazy. Or so when he has a beer. <laughs> <laughs> he only has that. one. <laughs> Uh, that was awesome. Okay, so um, this is more for Kathleen. So what is your favorite way that your tribe supported you through this? Hmm. You know, the main thing that really sticks in my head, um, 
I mean, family-wise, I just think they were awesome. You know, my in-laws have just always been just in love with her and, you know, very much just embraced this kiddo. Um, She's pretty easy to love, though. Um, And just how supportive they were about having this new person in our home and learning about her and getting to know her. Um, But the other thing that really sticks in my head, sorry, totally had to burn. Um, was, um, you know, some of the different people within our church, um, whenever we first found out that it was going to move towards adoption, you know, um, I was just really struggling with, um, you know, everybody's like, oh, you're such a great person because you're going to adopt her. And I remember, um, running with our friend Ashley and one morning, and she just said to me, like, you know, you don't have to adopt her. Like, if you don't feel like this is what your family and God's calling you to, you know, that would be a disservice to her and right. to your family. And I don't know what it was, but just being able to be real. There were a lot of moments where I would have some really real, raw feelings that I felt really guilty about. Mm-hmm. And so I had a few people within the call, which Ashley is also a foster family. And she's just fabulous. Yes. And there was also a lady named Elizabeth that I just felt like I could tell them things Um, so I guess in that sense, one of the things I would say is that, you know, your tribe can be supportive, but if they're not fellow foster parents, I mean, there's just going to be some things you're not going to understand. It's just different. Um, and that's, it's not a bad thing. And sometimes it will be nice to go out and hang out and not think about, you know, the reality of your life sometimes. (laughs) Um, but yeah, your friendships change. So you learn, like, again, your tribe changes. It really does. Yeah. So maybe, I mean, your favorite thing was just be people that can take that honest truth, that that your tribe took that. So then on the flip side, the other part of the question that I always ask is what is what is something that you feel like people did that, that unintentionally hurt you or made things harder? And would you, would you, I think you kind of wrapped that all together that maybe people don't understand mm-hmm. and... And that's totally okay, yeah. but what do you think are some of those words or phrases that people say that, that could unintentionally hurt you? I think the big thing for me is sometimes people ask too many questions, mm. and that was difficult, especially when you're fostering, even when you're adopting, because I'm, I'm trying to respect her privacy, too. Yeah. And I think that they're just thinking, oh, it's a kid. Um, but sometimes people, I know, I know, cause I want to be that person too. I want to know everything. Um, <laughs> but they would ask questions that it was like, I really don't feel like I can just share this with everyone. I don't think everyone needs to know. Um, and again, that's just kind of a respect thing for her too. Um, so I would just say that part of it, you know, I mean, there's a whole slew of things that you hear before going into foster care, people trying to convince you that you're. You know, you're crazy and, oh, you already do enough for God. (laughs) He doesn't want you to do this. Or the worst for me was definitely, I almost hate saying it out loud, but because I don't want this person to hear it and know that they were the one that said it. But um, what if they were molested and they molest your child? Mm, But you, Uh, that, that is said really often. Yeah. And I mean, I understand that they were saying it in a cautious way. But it was very offensive. Um, And honestly, I told the person, I mean, I said, you know, you know, we're going to do what we need to per our training, you know, to protect that from happening. But if it does, 
we're going to trust that God's going to carry us through those things. Yeah. So it just, that was probably the worst that stuck in my head of somebody saying. So. Yeah. Well, and like I said, that happens, that happens really, really often. And I think that people, um, they definitely let their fears drive them. And it's easy for even me to uh, forget that God's in the driver's seat here, no matter what. Even if I think I'm in the driver's seat, mm-hmm. that he can redeem literally anything. Yeah. So the worst thing that I could think of, totally redeemable by God. And I forget that more often than I'd like to admit. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so this is uh, back to both of you. So what's the most important thing you've learned about each other through this journey? Hmm. I guess I would say, um, should I be cheesy and say, you're my hero, Kennedy? No, I would just say (laughs) I'm very impressed with, and I think part of it is her intelligence. Part of it is the teachers in her life, Mm. um, that she had before even going into care. Um, but I'm just impressed with how resilient she's been. Um, I've told her before, like there are plenty of things for you to be very angry about and very mad at God about. Um, but I've always been impressed with just how she has changed and overcome and, um, hasn't given up. So that would be my thing is that she's just, been so resilient and taken on life and not let any of these factors be a determiner of who she will be. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. So Kennedy, what about you? What's something that you've, um, that you've learned about either your mom only or both of them, both the Barneses, mom and dad? Um, definitely that parents aren't as rude as I thought they were. Um, Weird or rude? Rude. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> we are um, weird. <laughs> um, you know, they can be nice when they want to be nice, and they can be rude when they want to be rude, but they don't have to be rude all the time. And, like, you know, you don't always have to be afraid of them. And, I mean, they're not always going to, like, go rampage on you and be like, you shouldn't have gotten a C on that. But, like... I mean, I feel like if I did my best, then they'll support me. Mm. Like, even if it was a bad my best. Yeah, but maybe just that parents don't all fit in the same box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a good one. I like that. I like that you were able to see that in them and that you didn't um, try to cram them in that box that you had already established. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's good. Okay, so... Back to Kathleen, what is your biggest piece of advice or encouragement for adoptive families? If you could just wrap it all up in one. Oh, my heavens. Yeah, because that's easy. <laughs> oh, adoptive families. I would definitely say, um, you know, the other day, I feel like the Lord just totally gave this to me. Um, the other day, Kennedy had spent the night with her grandparents, and the boys were at home, and we were laid in bed, and it was me and my husband and my two boys. And I looked at Jacob, and I was like, so this is what it would be like if Kennedy wasn't in our family. Mm-hmm. And, I, and we both were just like, it's just not right. Yeah. Um, and so I would just definitely say like that God has a an amazing way of 
crafting families together that come from completely different families and he knows what he's doing and you know she really she fits um she's that missing piece that we needed yeah. you know and it it doesn't it did not it doesn't feel right when she's not a part of the family so um just having faith that um god knows and yeah. trusting that beauty from ashes y'all mm-hmm. it's a real thing so okay kennedy what is your biggest piece of advice for families trying to understand their kids, their adopted kids? I mean, I mean, don't just, like, try and pry into their life, right, um, from the beginning. I mean, give them time and then, like, slowly ask answers because, I mean, as if they haven't been through enough being taken from their family, pay- placed in a new home. I mean, it's going to take a while to get used to things, so, like... If you, like, dive into it, like, right away, I mean, they're going to get scared, and they're obviously not going to want to share. But, like, like just take it slow and pace yourself, because I feel like the best way you get answers is if you slowly ask over time, and you can, like, put the picture together. And that's, like, really my only one. And let them eat ramen occasionally. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay, so what about your biggest piece of advice to kids who are being adopted? So if someone was listening who was in your shoes, like, what, two years ago, where you just found out that you're not going back home, and you're like, what, what's happening to my life? Um, yeah, you're definitely going to have that moment where you're like, no, I don't want to, and I don't have to, but the truth is, is that at some point you're going to change your mind, you're going to realize how great of a family you have around you, and that God really does have a way of putting you in the right home and making you feel like you're important to this family. And, I mean, just trust Him because He knows what He's doing, right? <laughs> so. so I'm going to add a question, and I didn't actually have it on our outline, but what is your favorite thing that, um, that your mom, your dad, or both, so you can pick how you want to do it, did to, to help, like, integrate you into their family and make you feel at home and comfortable and, like, you weren't going anywhere? Um, mostly when they bought me stuff, because that felt like, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I was important enough for them to buy me stuff, and that, like, you know, this is mine, and these stay in this room, and they only go where I put them, so I'm in this family now, like... I don't know. Just buying stuff made me feel like I was part of the family, like they were spending their money on me. It was you were it was weird. In you. Yeah. Is Kathleen, is that what you would have thought her answer would be? <laughs> well, yes, she is a twelve-year-old. No, um, I mean, I was thinking about it, and I was trying to think of what ways we've tried to incorporate her. Um, I mean, I have. I had a baby book that I made for Grisham for his first year. It's the Shutterfly thing yeah. where you're going through the first year. Um, and I made her one, obviously she wasn't a baby in it, but I left and I'm really glad I did this. Cause even the other day I was looking at it and I left boxes for her to write in so that it was like her take on those pictures and what was happening at that time oh, and things cool. like that. And so, you know, I just wanted her to know like, you know, she's our little baby too. And <laughs> On that note, I cannot believe I forgot to mention this, but so, you know, when we have a new baby and we have these cute little birth announcements, 
with, you know, the headband and the baby sleeping and all this stuff. So when they were announcing Kennedy, they reenacted these. And I'm totally going to put the, these photos in the show notes. I love it. They were oh my so gosh. funny. I can't believe I haven't talked about that yet because they were hilarious. And I love Kennedy that you went along with it. Uh-huh. And the pastor always likes to hold the baby. So he totally tried to pick her up. Lasted for three seconds when he was dedicating her. Yes, I exactly. Oh, that's awesome. Well, and I wanted to clarify something. This is completely separate. So earlier, and this is just for the people listening that don't know who your family is. So earlier you said when Jamie came into care, and we've been addressing you as Kennedy this whole time. So you actually, you chose your new name, right? Uh, kind of. It It was actually going to be the name of a girl if they had it. Like, that was one of the few names they had. And I was like, wait, I like this name. Can I have it? And they were like... Okay, and we had kind of had this test day of where we only called each other that. And it was weird because they would say my name, and I'd be like, wait, what? <laughs> Not answer. <laughs> it's like, my name isn't Kennedy. And they're like, it's a test day, remember? I'm like, oh, sorry. Yeah, here. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole other story of the names. I mean, we went through some – first we went through I will – always be and she had her old name and she was always that i was like i'm Um, always gonna be jamie you can't take that from me and then it was scarlet and i swear it was isabella maybe at one point too um and then yeah i thought of kennedy technically so i like that that you know that was actually um our name before jane too really well and it's so perfect for her i think another name that would have been good for her was charlie because she's just spunky she needed like a spunky name so (laughs) well i like kennedy it's a good one yeah it's a good so now if someone said jamie would you even like look up I've done that a couple times. Some people still do. Really? Yeah. There's this guy that comes to my school, and he knows that I hate being called Jamie. And this one time, he called me Jamie, and he's like, you didn't turn around. It's like, that's not my name. (laughs) And he's like, there's a good reason for that. But still, you didn't turn around. I mean, it's like, people don't usually call me that, so I'm not used to it. Well, and she was, you know, she has been at the same, she was at the same school, K through five, and she went into Karen third. And so all these teachers I worked with, they knew her as Jamie. So even like last summer, we saw a friend that doesn't work there anymore, but she was calling her Jamie, you know, because that's the name that she should have and so it was neat when she went to middle school it was kind of like another clean slate of okay my name is just kennedy here and they didn't know she was a teacher's kid too that was important so everyone just found out and they're like wait you're a teacher's kid and it's like yeah i'm just like i thought you would be like way lame i didn't even know that was a thing (laughs) oh like you're way too cool to be a teacher's kid i was like I don't know to take that as a compliment or, like, what? Maybe your mom's just really cool. (laughs) Yeah, Clark had a situation where somebody was didn't know that his name had changed, and so she went through the whole conversation calling him by his old name, and he was trying to be very polite. And finally, at the end, he was like, my name is Clark now, and she felt really bad. (laughs) It goes to our church, but... Anyway, but I'm I'm so excited that we got to make this happen. This is actually my first interview with um, someone who has been adopted, so this was super cool, um, and I'm I'm really appreciative of you guys being on the show. So thank you, Kathleen and Kennedy. Yes, thank you so much. I hope you'll get to interview her down the road when she's yeah. an angsty teenager. Too. We'll have like a where are they now? Show. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. I thank you it. again. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Thank you for listening to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I know this stuff is hard, and I hope you found encouragement here. Remember, you are enough, and you're doing a great job. 
God wants to be at the center of this journey, and He is big enough to redeem all of our mistakes. Don't forget to check out show notes and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks again for listening.